This podcast is brought to you with support from The Big Idea, New Zealand's online hub for creative people. The Big Idea aims to support talented, innovative individuals and organisations and advocates for creativity as an essential ingredient in the cultural and economic wealth of New Zealand. Their website is thebigidea.nz. Welcome to uh, Don't Give Up Your Day Job, the podcast. The podcast, the only podcast. Who's our guest today, Danny? Our guest is Lucy Graves. Wicked. Yes. But before we get to that, yes. we have a new sponsor. Who's that? A new sponsor is Stonefield Basses. Nice. And uh, Stonefield Music Instrument Company is a New Zealand-based music instrument uh, maker producing unique handcrafted basses that use responsibly sourced beautiful timbers, innovative electronics, and a state-of-the-art tailpiece tuning system. Wow. Yeah. No matter what the style of music you play, Stonefield allows you to craft your own sound with the latest in electric bass. And their website is www.stonefieldmusic.com. Now, Tom Stanley is the guy who uh, founded Stonefields, and I met him a few months ago when I was in the States. Yeah. Um, really impressive dude. Yeah, really, really impressive. Great, great story. So. Yeah, and um, really innovative thinker. The, the approach he's taken to building bases is, is really... Um, impressive, and it's it's nice to have someone out there who's trying to think differently and think of solutions and things. He's got a, a tuning system, which um, solves yeah. a lot of problems for people apparently, and the ba- and also that he talks a lot about the the balance of the basis as well, and how right. it's really important to have a balance on your body. I guess yep. that's an ergonomic thing. Yeah. So he's combining great tone and and solutions for um, professional players. And, and we're really stoked to have him as a new um, new sponsor of the podcast. So thanks for being on board, Tom. Yeah, and again, that website is stonefieldmusic.com. Awesome. So you were just away on the weekend down in Christchurch playing yes. a gig, a reunion gig yeah. for a band called Gorilla Biscuit. Mm. So tell us, who the fuck are Gorilla Biscuit? Okay. Yeah. So Gorilla Biscuit is a band that um, I played in wow, 20 years ago now. Was it 20 years ago? 1994, yeah, 23. Holy shit, 23 years yeah. ago. Um, it was a group of guys that I knew. You know, at high school, we'd been in um, different high schools. Yep. But our music teachers knew each other. Um, and they were already doing a band, like a covers thing, but also had some original songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the guys was leaving to go into a career in TV. In fact, two of them were leaving to yep. go into a TV career of uh, music television. Mm-hmm. There used to be a station down there called Cry TV. Um, All right. Just basically broadcast to Canterbury, to the Canterbury area. C R Y? Yeah. Cry TV. Yeah. And uh, it was a music sad name for a um, TV channel. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, um, yeah, I don't know actually why they came up with the name. I'm guessing Christchurch. Well, yeah, maybe? I was thinking Christchurch, but then it would never why. Yeah. And I think yeah. the guy who started it, his name was Christian. So maybe that's got something to do with it. I don't know. Ah, Christian from Christchurch. And um, who likes to so, cry? So when they were leaving the band, uh, when. One of them was the drummer, and they were looking for a new guy. And I and Clint, who I went to high school with, yep. um, had already joined the band on bass. Clint Harris, Clint Harris, and uh, he plays with us now, plays and us. also yep. was an op shop. Um, so, long story short, I guess I joined that band, and we did. Yeah, we had residency at uh, the Ducks Deluxe in Christchurch. Oh yeah, yeah. In the uh, mid nineties, there, and we did. I think probably every high school ball that was going um, yep. at the time. The Ducks Deluxe is no longer where it was, right? 
No. It's, it's moved. Yeah, it's, I think it's got it's two that, venues now. Was that or, because of the earthquake? Did it, did it yeah, get Yeah, they destroyed? used to be in, in the art centre. Right. And um, rumour has it the art centre wanted to get rid of them for years. They just had a long-term lease and they couldn't. Right. And then the earthquakes came along and they made an excuse that, oh, it's not safe for you to be here. And they got them out. That's oh. what I heard. Is the art centre still there? The art centre's still there. Oh, yeah. Those motherfuckers. <laughs> um, beautiful, beautiful um, building and establishment, though, the art centre there. Yep. And these guys, the Ducks Deluxe, they brew their own beer and the, mm. um, craft beer and what have you. Their uh, new place Ducks is cool. Lager. I was there with you guys a couple of years ago. Um, what is it? Ducks Live. Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was one of our our haunts back in the day. And then obviously the other guys in the band, um, Jace Kirison, he was the singer in that band, Gorilla Biscuit. Right. And then um, Jason Farfoy and uh-huh. uh, a young fella by the name of Aubrey Tupai. Yep. Um, who's a bit of a prodigy, I think, on, on the old guitar. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, we played, yeah, and we still remained friends all, all all these years. And obviously Clinton, Jason, and I were in op shop op together. Shop, yep. Um, that came a few years later, obviously. But, yeah, it was good to get back together. It was kind of just one of those things. I think there was also a reunion four years ago, which I wasn't able to get to. Right. Um, but this one was the one where all the original members, including the original drummer, oh, yeah. um, original bass player, came back um, and we sort of swapped on and off. Yep. And then we got some friends up on stage who were Christchurch lads. And you said before you left that it was looking to be a five-hour gig. Yeah, I'd heard that it was, um, you know, starting at nine thirty and going till two thirty. Right. Um, what happened? Did that happen? I think we we did play until about two. Yeah. Yep. Did you um, actually play the drums? Yeah. Because I little the, the little clip I saw on Facebook was was <laughs> the camera going across the stage, and I'm like, oh, that must be him in the back playing the drums. And then nope, he's on stage left, swirling a drink, singing, oh, yeah. singing into a mic, swaying, right. swaying like that was um <laughs> that was one of the many sort of songs where we all swapped around and did various things, <laughs> right? But um yeah, and we. You know, it was the same as the old days where we didn't rehearse anything. We right. just played the songs and the, someone yell out one as we were on stage. So we had to all look at each other for endings because uh, yep. we hadn't practiced, obviously. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't tell that to the people who pay 20 bucks to get in. <laughs> $20 a ticket to get in there. Um, no, but it was great fun. Yeah. Was yeah. Gorilla Biscuit sort of the, would you say that it was initiated Op Shop on any level? Um, you Well, the... the Relationships were definitely built at that point, yeah. And yeah. We, we knew each other's style, I guess, and our playing abilities. Yeah. And for whatever reasons, various of us moved to Auckland at different stages, and, and that's where it kind of converged with Op Shop. The other guys didn't come to Auckland. They're still Christchurch-based, some yeah. of them. Yeah, But um, I guess that's, you could could be argued that that was the band that started it all, in a and, way. And was there a sentimental feeling the other night, getting some of those guys back together again? Probably the first time you played with some of them for a while. Yeah, there was that. There definitely was that. And then we had a barbecue the next night where yep. some of us got together um, at, at Aubrey's house. And it was cool. It did It did bring back a lot of memories. Yeah. And um, certainly had to bring back some memories of songs we hadn't played in 23 <laughs> years. <laughs> and the crowd... So the, the reason I thought, oh, shit, this is going to be a late gig for not just us, but for our audience, because those people have kids now. <laughs> yeah. You know, the ones who used to come and see us and, and knew the band back then who when we were in our 20s. They've all got kids, and um, half of them I'd see in the breaks. By the way, the breaks were really extended. We didn't. We took like half an hour break, which right. made the night longer. But yeah. talking to them, they're like, "Oh, I have to go soon because my babysitter's <laughs> got to finish up." Did you actually and, uh, play until two thirty? No, to about two, I think. Right, um, that's pretty late. And, and a few people stayed around. Yeah, yeah. So that was cool. It's pretty late really by New Zealand gig standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we played three sets. It seemed to go really quickly. Right, you know, though. Um, 
playing some of those old songs I've never even thought of in 20 odd years right and originals too no, we didn't even get to that. We didn't some people so cuz Gorilla Biscuit did have a couple of original tunes. Yep. And um we didn't even get to playing play near that. We didn't even do any op shop covers. I was going to say uh, covers. <laughs> well, it would <laughs> it's, have funny, been. it's funny that you call them covers. Um I, I assumed that you wouldn't have, you know, been able to get away with not doing some op shop songs. Well, there were definitely people yelling them out and I think the intention was to get to it. Right. We just didn't. We were having so much fun doing the other other stuff. <laughs> Great fun. Good to see all those old people, you know, old friends again, and uh, some some we haven't seen for ages. And I know I think there are a couple of videos floating around on on the old YouTube's and yep. the Facebooks. So yep. and, yeah. And and how bad was the hangover? Um, mine wasn't too bad. All yeah. right, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh. I, I know I got back to my hotel at six in the morning, <laughs> but that was after a uh, long walk. We, we'd gone back to Aubrey's place. Yeah. Um, afterwards, and then it was like, okay, everyone's sort of drifting off here. I think it's time for me to go too. And I decided, okay, I'll just get an Uber. Started walking out to a, to the street and noticed that my phone was completely dead. All right. I'd forgotten that in the early in the evening I tried to go live on Facebook. Yeah. And as soon as I did, it went dead. <laughs> and uh, so I, I thought, well, I'll just walk to a main road and flag down a cab. Mm. And I walked for what seemed like an hour. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, it was cold. And uh, it finally flagged a cab down and got back to my hotel about six o'clock. God. But, I've done uh, that so many times. Intended yeah. to find a cab, yeah. Before the days of Uber, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. and and a number of times in the past, I've made it all the way home. Just never found right, a cab. Just keep walking. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well keep walking instead of just standing. Well, here. that was yeah. probably would have been like the old days. And so I, you know, I thought, all I knew, I know what direction I'm going. I was actually walking away from the city, which is not, which was bad. So you're going the wrong way. I was going the wrong. I was walking in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah. This is your home yeah. turf. Yeah, I know, but it's pitch black. It's in the middle of the morning, and I don't know. Pitch black? Nothing's pitch black these days. It's well, like you know, like, light pollution everywhere. I don't know if you know Christchurch. It's just completely flat, right? right? So there are no landmarks, no distinguishing landmarks. Sure. So if you're out in the suburbs, you're just out in the suburbs, yeah, and you're just walking around aimlessly. I do remember try. <laughs> I do remember being on tour once and being in a van, and we we were driving, um, driving down to Christchurch, and we we're going to head off down to I think Dunedin or something. And uh, we circled. We managed to somehow circle Christchurch, or at least some. Some we went around a circle somehow. Yeah. And I think we were outside of Christchurch for about an hour. We just couldn't figure out how to get in. Again, long before the days of GPS. Right. Right. You know, someone's yeah. in the back with a map book going. I think you go left here. You know. Well, the good thing. I mean, it's really hard to get lost in Christchurch because it's set out sort of in a grid pattern. But you got lost. But well, in, in the day it was. Yeah. But now. All of the streets are either closed off or you can't turn this way. There's ah. construction, there's roadworks. Right. Um, the, the city is still fucked, yeah. you know, like six years after the earthquakes. And it sounds like they need some sort of central tower. They need a sky tower. Well, They, they could have, call it the cry tower. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought, you know, because you've got the... Um, so there's one road that I made it to, the main ro- uh, road that I got to, Yolthurst Road. Yeah. At one end, there's the um, Port Hills, um, what I thought were the Port Hills, but they're actually the Southern Alps. Right. Um, so I could see <laughs> I could see the silhouette and go, oh, okay, that's, that's where the city is. That's the Port Hills. I'll walk that way. Yeah. And I was walking towards the Southern Alps. Um, but no, but even walking to the gig from my hotel, which is really only about 500 metres. Yeah. Um, I got lost because the landmarks that I'm used to seeing, they're all gone. All, right. all those buildings are gone. Yeah. Um, then you suddenly end up on a corner and you go, oh shit, this is the corner of, no, that's, I'm going the wrong way. 
Um, so it's I found myself really disoriented in general terms. And this, this might be too big a question, but why do you think the place is still in disarray? I mean, it's been how many years now? Well, six, six years since the big one, right? Yeah, there are people asking that same question. You know, yeah. why isn't it all fixed? Why is it still all up the fuck? Right. So I don't know. Maybe is that a government failing? Is it some of the uh, maybe some of the businesses took the insurance money and left the city, and, and they're not rebuilding? Maybe. You never know. It'd be interesting to get to the bottom of. Mm. Yeah. But there are some beautiful artworks. There are a lot of car parks now um, yeah. in, all, in Christchurch, <laughs> but there are some great artworks coming up all over the place. Yeah, that's something and, that I've, I've enjoyed, actually, yeah. being there. There's, there is a kind of urban vibe that's growing out of mm. it. Yeah. Mm. So it's definitely changed the landscape and the culture. Right, yeah. Well, we've got another um, sponsor today. Uh, Nick Portman and his new studio, which he has is in the, still in the process of naming. <laughs> uh, so anyway, we're just going to pretend it has a name. And, well, um, I reckon he should name it Nam Troop um, because it's, <laughs> it's Portman spelled backwards. Nam Troop Studios. Yeah. Well, okay. We'll see if we can make that catch on. Okay. So I mean, Nam Troop Studios. Yeah. Uh, and basically, um, Nick, our regular listeners will be very aware of who Nick Portman is. He's been a guest on the show a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And... Um, He's now based in Los Angeles, but he's he's built a studio in um, Birkenhead, and it's it's a great studio. The slogan that goes with it is is I think still being worked out, but it's basically big the big studio experience for boutique prices. Um, nice. But basically, you got this guy who uh, worked in, in York Street for many years. He also worked in Modern World Studios in the, in the UK. He did mm. heaps of work at Roundhead. Um, he's worked with some great producers. He does you know regular stuff with Greg Haver, mm. and um, now he's over. Um, in the States making connections there so you've got someone with all of that experience um, who's now put that into a purpose-built studio for the local industry so it's cool. uh, it's exciting it's brand new like we sort of said at the start it's not even got a name yet properly yeah <laughs> um, so we're but it's gonna, definitely got contact details de- it does have contact details um, you can go to nickportman.productions uh, that's his website I don't know why it doesn't have a dot something on the end well, that, that is it didn't you say dot productions oh is that what it is that's probably a new uh, slogan I mean a new what do you call that um, what do you call that web extension yeah some shit something like that so I better spell it because it's um, Portman has two O's so it's Nick N-I-C-K P-O-O-R-T-M-A-N dot productions and oh. that is what's the name of the studio again uh, Nam Troop Nam Troop Nam Troop Studios yeah there you go <laughs> So our guest today is Lucy Graves. Tell me about Lucy. Lucy is a vocalist and a keyboard player right. who uh, who has recently been playing with the Black Eyed Peas and Will I Am. And a few years ago, she was playing with CeeLo Green. Yeah. Um, she's got a new duo called Parker Lane. And there's also uh, another name on her list, uh, Prince Board, who I don't actually exactly know who that is, but apparently they've won a Grammy. Right. It's a yeah. producing team, I think, I gather. Yeah. Somehow. I think she touched on that in the episode, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, yeah. And she kept saying Prince, and I was like, I wonder if people are going to get confused with, with Prince. Prince. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Even just for a second, I'm like, you played with Prince? Yeah, <laughs> Prince Board. Right, right, right. Yeah, Prince as in P-R-I-N-T-Z. Z. Yes, uh. Prince Board. So she's, I mean, she's from uh, Auckland? Avondale. Yeah. The second most famous thing to come out of Avondale. <laughs> <laughs> And what a great story how she was, I guess, discovered. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those sort of fairy tale discoveries. Very much so. Really cool. Discovered in a way that you... You, you can only dream of. Well, you don't think it's real. You hear the kind of story that happens all the time. I mean, you hear it all the time. Maybe it's bullshit. Maybe she made it up. 
I, I'd say that's probably true. Yeah, true. Yeah. Lucy, come on, man. <laughs> Get real. Okay, let's do it. All right. Now let's do this. Don't give up your day job. So were you born and raised in Auckland? Yeah, Auckland. I was out in the Waitakere's. Where I was born and raised, actually in the house that I grew up in, oh. born downstairs. Wow. wow. Was, that, was that a choice or did you just come really early? I don't know if it was her choice. Um, yeah, it was my choice. choice. I was like... Well, you never know. Oh, by the um, way, can I swear or do I need to watch my go, language? No, go for your life. Oh, brilliant. Because I've got a mouth like a fucking sailor and awesome. I struggle to you know keep it under wraps. Nah, sweet ass. We don't, we don't censor anyone. We don't censor our guests or ourselves. So oh, say so whatever good. you want, however you want to say it. Isn't it funny that because a lot of people ask that, which is completely, okay. completely fair. And obviously yeah. in our industry, we're so used to having to be careful when we're de- yeah. dealing with the media. But isn't it funny how... Well, it's funny to me anyway, how people ask, is it okay if I swear? But they don't necessarily ask, is it okay what I say? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh. you you could be like a, a like a racist, bigoted, you know, sexist, <laughs> lunatic, you know what I mean? <laughs> Complete fucking Trump. lunatic. Sorry, wait, what? Hi. But, but instead of saying, do you mind if I say fuck? <laughs> I mean, doesn't that, doesn't that say what's wrong with society? That's so true, shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, alter that from now on. <laughs> you know, does it matter what I say? Yeah. When you yeah. go to do your next media thing, you should ask them some... You should make the question... Yeah. You should no, practice then, the question, make, it, make them really concerned. But then when you, if yeah. you ask that question, does it matter what I say, people might automatically think that, well, of course it doesn't matter what you say, but she's not going to swear, so... Um, <laughs> it'll be fine, just say whatever you want. Well, what she could do, though, is say, do you mind if I am racist or do you mind if I'm, you know, sexist or yeah. whatever... And they say, ah, oh, well, uh, um, you know, whatever their answer is. In fact, I'd love to know what their answer would be. And then she could yeah. just go, you know, oh, that's fucking great. Brilliant. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and, just, and, just assume, and just assume, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. actually, I would love to do that and see their reaction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it'd be so brilliant. One of those great spoofs. Especially on American TV, eh? Definitely. With our accent, we can get away with a lot. So <laughs> I do find that swearing in a New Zealand accent they don't find as offensive. Is that because there's like a two, three second delay where they're still trying to figure out what you just said? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. Do, do you find that your accent opens doors over there? Oh, yeah, for sure. In what way? Like, um, More just in the way that you are more memorable. Right. Okay. Um, people don't forget when uh-huh. you have an accent, and especially when they find out you're from New Zealand, which is not as common over here to find a Kiwi in the music industry, you know? Right, right. Um, yeah, so it does. It definitely helps with being remembered, um, plus the fact that I have bright red hair. Uh, <laughs> that also helps quite a bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. that, was that a strategic decision? Um, yes and no. I just I got really bored, and a friend of mine... He was like, why don't you just go bright red? And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Oh, you and you I did, did that it by choice. I did. I did it by okay. choice. And now it's been this way for almost four years. Wow. It's definitely not natural. It's not a natural red. Right. Yeah. No, not I mean, a natural not- red. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been there for four years. So you were, am I right in saying you were um, working in New Zealand prior to that? Like then, you know, you went from New Zealand um, to LA? Well, yeah, yes and no. Um, long <laughs> story. Um, I okay. actually went... To so straight after high school, so I went to Avondale College. Yeah, good old Avco. Mm. Um, <laughs> and um, I 
in seventh form I applied to go to Berklee College of Music in Boston for uni. Nice. Yeah, and I got accepted. So I actually went to college out in Boston. Wow. For so four years. And did, were there any other New Zealanders there? Yes. Yes, I believe one other. One other, <laughs> right. Yes, you one other. You don't, I don't really hear about many New Zealanders going to Berkeley. Actually going to Berkeley. Yeah, like you've yeah. done an online course, right? Yeah, uh, and I, I do remember back when I was at um, music school, that was the place you wanted to go to. Yeah, After absolutely. leaving, you know, you go, oh man, I want to go to Berkeley, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I hadn't heard of anyone actually going there and doing it. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. well that happened. Is it, <laughs> oh. So was that hard to get in? Um... Well, because I couldn't get there in person for like an interview slash audition, um, I had to do a lot of paperwork and submitting like scores and recordings and videos and a lot of that bullshit. Yeah, right. Um, So that was fun. (laughs) Was it a... a, Oh, no, hang on. I think you've got it written down somewhere in the notes. Is it production or or composition or was it or something, um, the course? Uh, I did a thing called pro, like professional music, but my focus was on writing and production. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, pretty much it was the uh, the major that didn't actually have a focus. It was like, cool, what do you want to do? I don't know. <laughs> well, then here, this is your major, now just choose classes. Perfect. And what was yep. it like living in Boston um, for, for, was that four years, three years? Four, four uh, years. like three and a half years, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> well, I decided to go there, um, start college um, in January. So oh, that right. was the, the spring semester. Yeah. Um, but leaving, obviously, our fabulous summer in New Zealand <laughs> to then arrive in Boston where it was minus 24 degrees, and that's Celsius. Damn. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, I stepped off the plane. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Oh, my <laughs> like, God. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. How can you even play uh, music in this kind of temperature? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. this better be worth it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was a bit of a shock. Um, it was it was good though. What about was it a shock when it came to the type of people that you were around, the standards that you're suddenly up against? Um, I mean, would I be right in saying that you went from a from one situation to another situation where you're now surrounded by some pretty top class musicians or up and coming musicians? Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, there were absolutely incredible players and vocalists and you know there were but of course there were also some rather you know average ones also yeah. <laughs> um, I guess there are just, everywhere right eh? yeah, yeah yeah I mean I guess when there were ones that were incredible they were like incredible incredible yeah um but I didn't feel out of place well if you came you came straight from Avondale College yeah, I mean that that they've got a really great music department there and yeah, a, a really Paul strong Norman. focus. Yeah, right. That's that's the college yeah. with the studio in it, right? Uh, uh, yes, yes. They've yeah. got, a, a, but their their dedication to music. I yeah. mean, their their focus on it is. Um, I wouldn't say it's unique, but it's pretty strong. And right. the, and you have a yeah. lot of great you know musos coming out of there still, oh, you know? especially back then too. Like, yeah. um, <laughs> oh god, how many years ago was that? <laughs> 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 I just turned thirty, so like. Wow. This is uh, so old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, crazy. whoa, this is like, I actually have to adult right now. <laughs> I don't get it. Just don't get it. Um, but, you know, it was, I, with, I think actually going to Avondale and having Paul Norman as my teacher 
was the only way I could have gone to Berkeley and not felt completely out of my comfort zone. Right. So what did he do? What were like, what, you know, obviously it's his attitude, I guess, and it's his Norman, his he's the greatest yeah. person in the world. He was like my second dad. Yeah. Um, he, he got, he, every student of his, um, we just learned so much from the music side of it as well to just, well, actually he kicks our ass. But <laughs> yeah. it was I don't know. He's he's incredible. He's an absolutely incredible teacher. He cares about his students and he cares about how we enjoy and learn music. And would you say he's tough or, you know, would you describe him oh, as... Oh, totally. Yeah? But, like, in a good way. Right. He's also a smartass, so you get to, like, you get to, you get to have him as a friend as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's great to have that kind of, um, you know, at an early age, having someone who's that passionate and, and can... Um, steer you down the right road. There are so many kids out there at the moment who either have, you know, no exposure to that and they're trying to find mm-hmm. a way to do music or, um, you know, I, I mean, I was equally lucky to have a great music teacher at school and yeah. our band was playing every weekend, you know, and we learned amazing things by just doing that. And that was all yeah. down to the passion of our music teacher, you know. Exactly, exactly. Actually, he's... um. Him and his wife are in LA right now, and I'm hoping to see them over the next couple of days. Oh, cool! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. So I, I, I didn't have a great music teacher, but what I've often thought about, and what we've talked about a little bit on the series, is is the contrast between in New Zealand between attitudes towards music and attitudes towards rugby, and how <laughs> and and how it obviously rugby here is huge, but but yeah, sort of behind the scenes, there's a a different type of expectation with rugby. We expect kids to be into it. We expect mm-hmm. them from a very young age to show up on time and care about practice and care about the games. Um, yeah. It's it's embedded in our culture, whereas my experience, at least, is that with music, it's always a bit of a hobby. You know, if someone takes it seriously, it's kind of, what you, like, what's your, what's your deal, man? You know what I mean? Is that your experience too? Um, yes. <laughs> I can def- No, I can definitely agree with you to a certain extent. I was also extremely lucky that my parents were super supportive and also in the arts. So right. from a young age, like it was never a case of music's not a real job. Sure. It was like, is this your passion? Oh, then fucking do it. Well, you're sort of proving the the point that's floating around somewhere in the back of my head, though, is that you've got a yeah. supportive teacher and supportive parents who believe in the art. You know, yeah. And, and the result is that you come up with, you know, you grow up with confidence and... You know, you're not. I'm getting the impression right. you're not second guessing yourself, and you've gone from uh, a little place like Avondale to to this great career. I mean, I'm sure you second guess yourself sometimes, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> that's quite a. That's it's like you've had the experience with music that other kids have with sport. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, and yeah, it's unfortunate that it's not um, a regular thing that yeah. music and the arts are considered normal right. shall I say yeah you know um, I definitely had friends who were incredibly talented but they didn't have the support and so they had to get other degrees to um, as a fallback like right. as a you know a plan b which is normal I mean that that let's be honest that is normal around the world mm. for people to be like oh I should have a degree in something else because I'm interested in music, and in case that fails, yeah, I need something to support. You know, 
And mm. I, 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 can, I can understand that. Unfortunately, I sucked at every other subject. So music's <laughs> literally all I've ever done. <laughs> what, what's the vibe in, in America at the moment with your have you, people you've spoken to with all of the cutback in the arts, especially with the Trump administration, you know, cutting yeah. back on the arts and humanities? Um, do you think, do they see that as an erosion of the, or attacking of the arts or, or um, sidelining, if you like? Um, I mean, I feel like we've been uh, fighting a lot anyway, but even before Trump and all that got in. Yeah. Um, from just businessmen in general taking hold of the arts. The creatives are not so much at the forefront. Well, I, I feel like businessmen have a hold on music more mm -hmm. so now than the creatives, so they mm -hmm. don't understand particularly everything we deal with and go through. And then, of course, just the world's changing, so all the streaming stuff. I mean, everything, you know, like I, uh, the, the saturation of music, how easy it is for people to just record their own stuff now out of their bedroom, mm. which is great. Like, it, it helps for everyone that that does want to do this as a creator, gets you into it and interested for cheaper than normal. Yeah. But... Um, I'm really sucking at answering this question. <laughs> when you say the businessman, not not so like, much these days, or do you think you in the old model, the old industry, or has it moved into a have a, a different set of robber barons moved in there and, and now ripping off artists? Is that what you're saying? Like the streaming, because a lot of those streaming um, companies or whatever are not really about the music; they're just about making profit for the you know. Well, exactly. They're not run by musicians yes. or by people that. Um, are in music, yeah. you know, they're, they are run by, like you said, people who are in for the profit. Yeah. How can we make money on this, even if it ruins the creatives? Like mm -hmm. writing these days, uh, you know, you can write a song, land a song, but you won't see any money for a year. Yeah. I um, mean, I would, would, would you agree that that problem is not just in streaming, but it's just throughout the industry? Like there's always been, you know, oh, yeah. there's always been the guys in suits, if you like, um, but, yep. but now they've, sort of taken over you know to, yes. to the point where if in the past you would have these incredible interesting artists who who had you know per, big personalities and they're a bit eccentric and they're all oddballs and, mm -hmm. the, and these days there's more of an expectation that it's more uniformed yeah like the creative yeah. the creators aren't getting through because unless it's like a proven model they don't know what to do with it, and this person's a bit weird, so we don't know what to do with that. So we'll just go and do something that seems like the last thing that succeeded. Definitely, definitely. Um, I know. Back, in the, I was I was just watching the uh, the Beatles documentary, the Eight Days a Week one. Nice, mm. yeah. And just seeing that, I was like, "Fuck, shit's changed since then." Yeah. I mean, uh. everything from even just the touring side of it, like to fans, to have people that obsessed with your music i mean i know we have it still kind of but not not like that where they would like legit die hard fans because they loved the music and respected the music right i mean now it's mostly about appearance and social media rather than the you know the music so it's more about posing yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> I, I, i'm in the middle of watching the frank sinatra documentary which is on netflix and, oh, how is that? Oh, it's incredible. It's a big. It's a two part. It must. It must be about three hours. What's it called? I think. Oh, wow, I think okay. it's just called Sinatra. Oh, okay. I think. It's really amazing. Right. And uh, yeah. and the same thing. Like the industry's just changed so much, and and mm -hmm. you know they're 
um, I mean, he still had the highs and lows. He still went through periods where it wasn't working, and then, you know, they yeah. were still, still trying to figure out what the new thing was, and they were talking about marketing, mm-hmm. and all that stuff existed, but it still seemed like there was a place for the artist to actually do something. Things could progress and move forward. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. As, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on right now. In fact, I don't think anyone fucking knows what's going on right no, now. No, no, that's right. It's We're all guessing yep. and just hoping. And, and it's quite interesting. I mean, you're, you're working with some pretty big names. Have you had these conversations with them? Do you sit down with Will I Am and have this conversation? Uh, we haven't had this exact conversation, but yeah. um, I have been in the room when he's been talking about music in the industry but yeah he's really passionate about that stuff eh? Mm. oh very passionate yeah yeah Yeah. but he's also he's got a business mindset as well which actually is very beneficial yeah so he talks about different ways of creating not just music of getting the arts back in there of i mean yeah like just business models in general i'm at the studio um where we work out of mostly the future i mean he's got a whole tech side in the building he's got three psych rooms for shooting like um music videos and doing photo shoots like wow he's got his hand in a bunch of shit like 3d printing rooms fashion (laughs) cool oh yeah what does he use that for i don't know all the fashion (laughs) stuff whatever he wants yeah Mm. (laughs) man i want a 3d printer I know, me too. Does yeah. he and, and does he do that for other artists as well? I mean, does he let them use those resources? Or is it just for, uh, for his stuff? No, other artists can use it as well, yeah. Yeah. So okay. he's setting up a like an, his own well, he's already set up his own sort of enterprise. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> the smart thing to do. Yeah. 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 And and what is the general feeling um around artists like that when you have heard him talk about it towards you know, streaming and album sales, and you know the new, the new way, the dy- the new dynamic of the music industry and that sort of thing. Are, are they is would I be right in guessing that the attitude is that it's not great, but let's try and think of solutions? Pretty much, that is exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Yes, it's like don't hold on to what we think it should be, but let's find new ways to make it what we want. Right. And so, music musicians are thinking that way, but are the the gatekeepers, the traditional gatekeepers, like the the, the promoters and the record labels, are they thinking, you know, I mean, they're probably thinking about themselves, but are they thinking they need to <laughs> innovate and uh, find new ways to um, make money, let's say? Or to keep, um, to keep what they've traditionally had, to keep that rolling in because yeah. they've seen it decimated over the yeah. last 20 years. I don't know. I wish I could answer that. I yeah. don't really know. I haven't spoken to enough of them about that. but Right. Yeah. I'd like to think that majority of people are trying to find new ways. It, you know, the old ways aren't working anymore. Yeah, right. Well, there's something to be said about trying to live in the past. I, I notice this a lot with um, musicians all over the world is that so many musicians seem to be looking back trying to replicate what they grew up watching. You know, like they grew up yeah. they grew up listening to Pearl Jam, so they sort of want to be in <laughs> Pearl Jam, you know. Or they, right. they, they grew up listening to, I don't know, like, it's like a 60s rock band or maybe part of the punk movement or something and then they mm-hmm. they dress up that way and they talk that way and they try to see, it seems like they're trying to steer their career that way and then they're scratching yeah. their head going why 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 aren't people coming to my show and it's like well that that happened back then you know that's not happening now yeah and people don't appreciate it as much as they did back then either that's right and i mean i think a lot too with all of that like with all of that stuff is you know trying to copy 
what was working back then is nowadays you can't just do one thing to survive you know like right a lot of people when when i talk to a lot of people they're like cool so what do you do and i'm like what don't i do how about we, how about we start with that like right. seriously you know if if you want to list everything that i have that I, that i'm that i try to do to work to get money and all that stuff Damn, I sound like a fucking hooker right now. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. Like, I roll my eyes a little bit when I get asked that question. And I, I actually yeah. try to avoid the question because it's like, how long have you got? You know, right, and, exactly. And if you're in certain social situations, um, it's really hard to skim the subject. Definitely. You know? And you feel like a douchebag just listing off a ton of shit. Yeah. 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 You, you don't want to read out your resume. But, uh, like, <laughs> someone says, what do you do? And if, if I say I'm a musician, they go, yeah. they they." Tie, they tend to either assume that you must be a completely failed musician, because I haven't heard yep. of you. <laughs> um, right. So it's like, what you know, what restaurant do you wait at? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or they go off on some tangent about, about you know, the music that they like or, or that oh, yeah. they've got a, a, their next door neighbor plays the ukulele or something. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Or they just ask you, you know, oh, what, what genre do you play? Right. Oh, yeah. That's right. No. Yeah. No, not that one. So don't ask me that. What are some of the things that you do um, you know, to make a career in music? <laughs> what do you do? Um, what what are some of the well? things you don't do uh, to make a career in music? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously I play keyboards. Yes. So um, I used to play keyboards and sing for CeeLo Green. Um, so I did that for a while. And mm. now I play keyboards and sing for the Black Eyed Peas. How did you get that gig with CeeLo Green? Did you just kind of come across him or did you send him a resume or just knock on his door and say, hey, look, I'm looking for a gig? Uh, no. Um, actually, they have like um, auditions for artists out here. And ah, okay. I happened to know the musical director and so I went and did the audition and um, yeah, then I got the gig. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is that one of those yeah. cattle call type of situations? Um, no, it was like handpicked people to go and oh, right. audition. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, I knew the musical director, so I guess that was a one up too. Yeah. Um, Did you meet the other, um, you know, potentials when you were there? Yeah. 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 I, I knew the drummer. Her and I actually played together. Cool. Um, all the time. So that was awesome. And then. Met the other, the other two, the guitarist and the bass player. And what were your nerves like that day? Um, actually, yeah, I was pretty nervous. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't get nervous on stage anymore, you know, at all. No. But yeah. when you're in a little room and you know that you're getting, your talent is getting kind of picked apart, like, oh, what can they do? What can't they do? Do they have a good look? Because it's, it's also about the look. Yeah, true. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it, it, I was definitely nervous, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know. There's not much you can do. It's like, freaking do your best, and then you go, yeah. cool. Let's see what happens. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's just about all you can do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah actually. You, you can't really know what they're thinking or what they're looking for exactly. So you, no, just, just go and be yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that happened. Was, so, Mi yeah, was Mr. Green actually there? No, he wasn't. Does anyone call him Mr. Green? No, actually. Is that even his real name? Probably not. No, Thomas Calloway. Ah, there you go. Wow, what a different name. Uh, I know, right? Hey. It's not even close. Where, where did he get CeeLo Green from? Do you know? I have no idea. <laughs> and, did, uh, <laughs> and did that obviously lead on to other bigger and better things, or did you go straight from there to Black Eyed Peas? 
Did um, you have to audition for the, for the Black Eyed Peas? No, I no. did not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so the musical director for CeeLo is Prince Board. Um, he's the one that actually found me in New Zealand and how I actually got to the States. Okay, so there's a story uh, there. Yeah. Tell, tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that story. <laughs> so after Berkeley, um, graduated, came to LA and tried to figure out my shit here for a year. Uh, I was 21, 20, 20, 21, 22. Yeah. Um, and it was really hard because I didn't actually know what the fuck I wanted to do. <laughs> and I didn't know anyone. And I think, like, I know 22's not young, young, but I just don't think I was ready. Right. Were you, so, were you gigging and stuff in LA at that time? A little bit. I was mostly doing writing and production for commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That was, that was good, you know, it was some good money, but it was, it was just hard. It was really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so moved back to New Zealand and started teaching at Auckland Uni and I started, I just was doing a bunch of gigs and then also doing a, a local jam night in Newmarket every Wednesday. Yep. Um, and yeah, just... One day in 2012, um, Prince, who actually, he uh, started the Black Eyed Peas with Will I Am and Apple and Taboo, and he's been their musical director right from the start. He wrote Where Is the Love, all of those, like, right. ton of the shit on, like, awesome. elephants and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he was working in New Zealand with his team, and uh, he walked into the bar that I was playing in. Oh my god! And yeah, and they came up. To, oh. They came up to me afterwards, and they were like, "Ah, cool. So, you know, do you wanna do you wanna come to the studio?" <laughs> <laughs> That's like a, a, a stereotypical, you know, yeah. someone at the back of the bar yeah. sees you play. Yeah. That never happens. Yeah, I know. It was <laughs> it was weird, and I started playing on their stuff, singing on their stuff. Then they found out I wrote, so I started writing and him and his team took me under their wing like I just became their little sister <laughs> awesome. and they taught me a bunch of shit they flew me to Australia to do some writing sessions with them and then six months later I moved to LA <laughs> wow so when you were when you came back to New Zealand after yep. after that year in LA did that yep. feel like uh like a reassessment time or did that feel like you were failing like what was what was your feeling at that point um there was a lot going on in my life at that point, so I was, like, dealing with a ton of that shit, too. Right. Which is for another day. Sure. Which is, like, for a therapy session rather than a music <laughs> we also interview. We also offer therapy as part of our... Oh, you yeah. guys are so good. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, there was a lot going on. Um, I, I definitely... I definitely was... Yeah, in the back of my mind constantly was, like, can I do this right can I actually do music and survive for the rest of my life well I know there's a lot of uh I mean the idea of going to the states from New Zealand is as far as New Zealand's concerned is quite a big deal and then there's there are stories about people going there and it's not worked and then they come back with a tail between their legs which is which is what I thought might have been in the back of your head at the time um yeah a little bit yeah you know you you don't want to be you don't want to be the one that's like, oh, I'm going over to the States. It's going to be great and life's going to be awesome. Yeah. And then come back home. 
Right. But mm. honestly, I think I needed that. I needed to come back to New Zealand. Um, I learned so much in that time, just being back home yeah. as well. And like I said, I wasn't ready anyway. Mm. Mm. I thought I was ready, but I wasn't. And um, yeah, it was it was perfect. And then I finally was when right. they found me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was good. I mean... Actually, let's be honest, I don't think I was ready even then. But like I said, they took me under their wing and I would not be where I am today without them. Right. I yeah. wouldn't at all. I mean, I was so fucking lucky. And how did you work out the logistics of actually moving to the States in the end? I mean, getting citizenship oh. or residency or whatever you had to do. Oh, yeah, that thing. Well, <laughs> I'm very lucky. Again, my dad is actually originally from the States. Oh, right. So I have a passport. Ah, well, there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Golden ticket. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. Um. So it was never an issue. Uh, so does that yeah. mean you have dual citizenship? Triple. My mum. My mum's originally from England, so I've got <laughs> British as well. Oh, <laughs> wow. You can go anywhere. Yeah. I am a real life James Bond. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. How do you, do you? I don't know whether this is a random question, but how do you? Uh, do you constantly have to try hard to keep hold of your accent? A lot of people we hear go over there and they suddenly they start, or not suddenly, but they eventually pick up the Americanisms and then start rolling their R's. And but you've you've um, kept your accent. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I try to talk to my parents a lot on Skype. Um, oh yeah, and then also. It's actually really hard to pick up the American R's. Like, that's a lot different compared to the New Zealand accent. Yeah, yeah. Right. It really is. So anyone that suddenly changes, it confuses me. I'm like, you're so full of shit. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, we do, I, I do sometimes have to change it up a little bit just for them to understand me. I was just going to say that I've got a friend in LA who does the same thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. do, you know, and you do start some words do change a bit like you know we say we'd say mountain and they say mountain right right and you do start changing little shit like that just because i mean that's how everyone talks so you just get used to it but i don't think i could i don't think i could ever start talking like this um i don't know it just feels really weird because i noticed that in, in some of the notes here you put the you use the word college which I guess oh, yeah. while you were at Berkeley, that is that is a college, I suppose. Right. But normally, you know, you'd say university in New Zealand or uni or whatever. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, they don't understand that here. Right. Yeah. 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 There must be a lot of those things. What What's yeah. your um? What What other cultural things have you come up against that have kind of been a bit quirky? Um. I mean, just slang in general. I remember, you know, I don't know if it's still said a lot in New Zealand, but it was always just hard out, like. Oh, you're yeah. agreeing with something or whatever you know yeah hard out and <laughs> yeah. i still say that because i'm awesome but um, <laughs> but over here when i was saying it they thought i was saying hot out <laughs> oh yeah like hot it's out. really hot out and, and uh. i was like huh no no i'm saying hard out and then i try to explain what it meant and they just didn't get it and then or like I'd say sweet as and they're like sweet as what and i'm like nah just sweet as <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, right who was I knew someone I can't remember who it was. Uh, might have been Dan actually, who who used yeah. to say sweet as a lot, and people used to think he was saying sweet ass. Oh, 
Oh, yeah, that too. Right. Definitely. Uh, Definitely. Why does this guy keep saying I've got a sweet ass? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, it's flattering and creepy. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. There, There's so many different things. And even now, the amount of times I have to repeat myself or actually the biggest thing is you just start talking and they start trying to copy you. <laughs> yeah, I wondered whether that happened at all. Do, do they think that that's... What, are they mocking you when they're doing that? Do you feel mocked no, or are they... No, no, definitely not mocking. It's more... They just... They just like the accent. It's different. I mean, they can't fucking do it. They suck. Yeah. <laughs> you, they sound British or Australian. Yeah, or South but, African or something, eh? Yeah, yeah. But they give it a try and they just they just really like trying to do it. And mainly because they're like, oh my gosh, you have an accent. And I'm like, yes, yeah, so do you. I, I've always done that um, as a really bad habit. If something's interesting melodically to me or rhythmically, I tend to yeah. just repeat it, which is often when someone says something. Oh, uh, yeah. And I get, <laughs> I've gotten in trouble throughout my life because someone will say something and I'll like, da, 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 and I'll say it back. Yeah. And they're like, why are you being such a smart ass? <laughs> <laughs> I've just, it's just, that was an intriguing melody that you just said, da, 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 yeah. or whatever, you know. And <laughs> uh, they're too sensitive. Some yeah. mental tick that you have. Way it too is. sensitive. I'll, I'll repeat um, sounds outside, like if a bird or a car alarm or something. I'll echo it. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I've, yeah. I've, you know, I do the same. The uh, guitarist and the peas with us. She says she calls me a parrot <laughs> because she says I just I will repeat things or like I mean from music to guitar lines to just what someone else has said. Yeah. And it's not like I'm trying to copy them or their accent. It's just like you said, if it you know intrigues you somehow. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like you. Yeah. Exactly. You're trying to kind of without even really thinking about it. You're just sort of dissecting it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. The one that gets me lately is that um, ringtone, the <laughs> one that, that I just keep. Oh, I can't get it out of my head when it, when I hear it. It's annoying. <laughs> that must be annoying. Does that mean you um, sometimes you imagine that your phone is beeping and? No, I don't not... have that ringtone for that very reason. Right. But whenever I hear yeah. someone else do it, I repeat it, and it's. Do you, do you get um, ghost vibrations? Like when you think you've got a, a message in your pocket? Yeah, and your on, on your phone, phone. But then you find out your phone's not in your pocket. I, I don't even know where my phone is right now, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. just different. Oh, I've got a message, and then oh, my phone's not in my pocket. What yeah. the fuck is that? Weird. But then, do you check your phone, and you did get a message, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so in sync with my phone. <laughs> my, oh, my, true. My that thigh and my phone has a relationship. Spooky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's it like playing in front of uh, of thousands and thousands of people? What was it like for the first time that that you did that? Did you freak uh, out, or is it just the same as playing to a room of two hundred people? No, it's easier to play for more people. Really? How so? Because you can't see their faces. <laughs> right. Okay. No, um, because usually, usually if you're playing for thousands of people, it's because they've chosen to be there for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're in a room of like 20 people, unless it is your show that they've paid for or whatever, like you're playing for some people that don't give a shit. Yeah. Right. Um, so I don't know. I find it easier to play for more people it's the most incredible feeling as well yeah. to just have have people just screaming yeah right <laughs> like, i mean we just did a show in hong kong um with the peas and i was singing as well so doing right. all of um fergie's parts for this one show right oh no shit um, and so afterwards, we all went out to the front of the stage, and it was just so weird. The fans—they are—they're the sweetest people. <laughs> right. I mean, the Black Eyed Peas fans are legit loyal. Yeah. 
Yeah, they are absolutely incredible. What kind and of size just, crowd would that have been? Um, oh, I'm really bad with numbers. I don't know, like... L- like stadium size or something? Uh, Do a yeah. Trump. There are two million people there. <laughs> two million you just people. make up it a number. Probably, yeah, okay, yeah. Three. It was totally like two million. No, it yeah. wasn't. It was probably more like... <laughs> Ten or twenty thousand. Yeah, and and so you say that they're really loyal. How did they feel about you doing Fergie's parts? You know, they like fine about it. Actually, oh, I got a lot of messages afterwards on Instagram going, "Oh my gosh, that was so cool. We're really excited." And I'm like, I was just doing it for this one show. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh-huh. That's a good. That's a good point. Actually, that was that. Add, did that add another sort of layer to the nerves beforehand, knowing you had to fill some shoes? Um. Not really, because I'm not Fergie. Like, we are so different and... Yeah. I don't... Honestly, I don't know what it is. I just don't get nervous. Right. On Like, on big stages like that, I have no... If we were doing it in front of just you two, I'd be shitting my pants. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I kind of know what yeah. you mean, though. Like, I've always found the bigger the stage, the more there's kind of a disconnection in your head. Yeah, a little bit. And you've got lights in your face. You really yeah. can't see anything. I mean... But yeah. you can certainly hear when they react, though. Oh, hell yeah, you can you know. hear. Yeah. And yeah. But it's like it's a bit yeah, more surreal and you can play a part a little bit more. Definitely. I, I mean, I've always just... I, I, my take on it is that you feel more vulnerable in a smaller situation because you, you feel like you're more exposed, funnily mm. enough. Oh, completely. That's mm. 100% true. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah, I would take, you know, playing in front of... Millions of people than two people any day. Yeah, right. <laughs> any day. Hello. <laughs> and, and where to next for you guys? Have you got any more gigs lined up or? Uh, with the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a charity show on Saturday. Um, okay. I just got. Funnily enough, so have we, <laughs> Danny and I. <laughs> but probably oh. not, not as big as your one. <laughs> I was thinking a charity show. Do we? It's like, yeah. oh yeah, that is a charity show, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, perfect. I'm not giving my time for free, but Bobby is. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Just the kind of guy. Actually, neither am I, so hi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I have done, though. Yeah. I'm I'm a nice person, I promise. (laughs) I do charity shows. Um, So where is is that show? That's in LA, actually. Weird. Cool. So weird to not be traveling. What venue? Uh, It's called the Peppermint Club. Yep. It's uh, this cute little lounge, actually. In, uh, I don't know that one. Where is that? Yeah, it's kind of new. It's uh, is it? It's Melrose and La Cienega, I think. Oh yeah. Crescent Heights. Shit, I don't know. Somewhere. <laughs> and so, what's West it like? What, what's it like rolling with those guys now? Do you get picked up in a limo or flown there in a helicopter, or <laughs> do you have like big, handsome, burly men carry you in, or like how does that all work? Yes, they carry us on their shoulders. Right. <laughs> um, no, we've had many different experiences. Um, most of the time it's just, like if we're flying anywhere, it's the usual, just economy class. Um, for the Black Eyed Peas? For the band, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, but... I don't know why I'm so time. surprised. For some reason I just imagine private jets and... Oh, yeah. I mean, we've had that too. That was yeah. we had we had a show in Croatia, um, and we were playing on this guy's hundred fifty million dollar yacht. <laughs> As you do, um, just because he wanted us for the weekend. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, he hired eighty models to just be there, and that's who we were playing for. Um, yeah, <laughs> so and then he, after he hired we, the we band, and he hired the audience. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
And so we were on this yacht um, off of Havar, which is one of the islands in Croatia. And we did two shows there. And then they flew us off the yacht by helicopter to a private jet that flew us to Munich, which then flew us back to LA. <laughs> <laughs> God. It was very surreal. We were also running on no sleep. So like, it was like, stay awake because this is incredible. But also <laughs> I think I'm seeing double. Um, but yeah, so there's been, there's been everything from private jets to a taxi. Right. Yeah. And it's all rather awesome either way. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I find that there's not really a logical step up or down if you're pursuing a, a career in this industry. It's not like you start at one level and you just progress to the next level and the next level. You, you constantly are in a situation where you're playing big venues and small venues and you're yeah. in, you know, uh, like situations that are amazing and impressive and then you're back... Mm-hmm in some sort of shithole somewhere or dealing with some asshole somewhere. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's not like a really clear and obvious ascent. Um, and no. and one, of, one of the questions that, well, one of the topics that Bobby and I talk about a lot is what we consider success to actually mean now that we've been in the industry a while. You know, because when, mm. when, you're, when you're a kid, you, you think of it as being the, the rock star thing. Yeah. And then your priorities change as you grow and you start to think a bit more about how you want to spend your time and where you're actually yeah. making your money and the people you know and stuff. So what's yes. your, what was your original concept of success and then how has that evolved over the years? Oh, I definitely have this conversation a lot too with people. Yeah. Um, what did I think success was? I don't, I don't even know what I thought success was. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to be playing in front of tons of people. I wanted to write songs for artists and hear that on the radio yeah um so i knew like i knew that was an idea of what i thought success was and then as i started doing that stuff like i know i sound like such a dick (laughs) um (laughs) like like it would happen you know i started playing with CeeLo and i was like yeah this is cool and then i was like but i feel like i still need to do more (laughs) and then you know, I start playing with the peas, and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's awesome. Especially because when I was 17, I saw them in Auckland. Right. And I was, like, right in the front going, yeah, this is so cool, and now I'm actually playing with them, which is hilarious. <laughs> that's amazing. amazing. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, now this has happened. I mean, I don't take it for granted at all, but I'm like, cool, what else do I want to do? Um, and I think, I think our perception of success changes because – I don't know. I think it's a bad thing, actually. You know, we're never satisfied. We accomplish something and then it's on to the next. Well, what else can I do? What What will make me happy now? Like, I don't know. So I, def- I, I know there's been some success, but I know I'm not exactly where I want to be. But is that a bad thing or is that just you describing your drive? I mean, that's, the, that's, be- prob- right. that's probably the same mechanism that got you there in the first place. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess it would only be a bad thing if I could never be satisfied. Yeah. Or feel like I'd accomplish something. Right. You know? Which is, I guess, about learning how to complement that drive with, exactly. per- with perspective. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like this, is, like, this is totally weird. So, you know, I play with fantastic people. I work with great people and I'm so blessed. But I just released um, a duo project. Right. Um, an indie folk thing, which... I never freaking did indie folk ever, but it just <laughs> happened. 
and I fucking love it. And this is pa- and we Parker pl- Lane, right? Parker Lane, yeah. 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 And we play in little dive bars for like <laughs> hardly any people, and it's so satisfying. Interesting. Wow. So that connects okay. you to to I guess the maybe the start or, or yeah. a, a more organic experience somehow. Yeah, and I guess maybe also because it's it's stuff that I've written. It's me doing it as like an artist. Yeah. And somehow I feel a little bit. I mean, I feel more attached to it, obviously, mm. than just playing the songs that other people have done. But mm. that's so satisfying. <laughs> right. And you know, it's nothing huge yet, but we've got some great stuff coming up, and you know, and and it's just it's exciting. So it sounds like you've got different types of success now in your head. I mean, you know, different, con- di- like a, what am I trying to say? Yeah. Well, success in different areas at different times in your life, I yeah. suppose. It's not just one yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I mean, doing the stuff with the peas is exciting. And really, you know, the, the stuff I get to experience through that is absolutely incredible. But yep. then also doing this Parker Lane thing, it, it is, it's like the beginning. It must be what they felt when they started, like the Back Eyed Peas, yeah. when they first started. You're in these tiny rooms, you're gaining the fans, you're like, you're all in it because it's the music you love yeah. that you've created. Yeah. Yeah, everyone started there, eh? And they've worked their yeah. way through. And I don't know, it's just really, it's different and awesome. <laughs> what would you say to someone who, you know, if you were... They stopped you on the street and go, hey, I want to do what you're doing, Lucy. How do I go about doing that? You know, as a youngster coming through. Yeah, no, of course. Um, first, I'd ask them, so what exactly are you wanting to do? Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, are you, wanting to, are you wanting to play or are you wanting to write or are you wanting to do both? Because either way, I mean, I went to college for it. And if I'm honest, um I'd tell people, fuck college. <laughs> really? I'm, Seriously? I'm sorry, I really would. If you're, yep. if you're, unless you're wanting to, unless agree. you're wanting to do like music business or production and engineering, which you could really benefit from, I just think if you're wanting to play for people, with people, or like write, be in a studio writing for people, like the best thing to do is to just do it and find the people that are doing what you want to do yeah. and shadow mm-hmm. them. Ask to be involved. Like people want to help. Yeah. Asking for advice and asking people to like, you know, sh- telling them that you admire what they do. They love to hear that shit and they want to help. Yeah. Mm. And I just think if you can, if you can have the guts to just put yourself in situations that you ultimately want to be in with people that are doing what you love, you're going to learn so much more. Like I said, I learned the most from Prince and his team when they took me under their wing and they just, I was in the studio with them. They were teaching me everything they did. They took me into sessions, writing sessions. And like, if I was sucking at writing, they didn't give up. They were like, that's cool. What if you tried this instead? Right. And it was all because of them and their knowledge and all that, that got me to where I am. Yeah. Um, I, I have the same kind of view. I've known a number of musicians who are now pretty successful who, who went to college. And most yeah. of the time when I say, what did you get out of it? They said, well, pretty much it was just good for networking. I just, I just, right. met, I just met a few musicians, but most of what I've learned, I've learned by doing it. And, yeah. and, I've, and I've noticed that there's sort of like a stagnant small pond vibe in some of these unis. There's, there's a lot yeah. of people standing around talking hypothetically. 
Yes, and, and, definitely. And arguing with each other about is this real jazz <laughs> or is this, you know, is, is, oh, pop, is pop music selling out and all of the sort of nonsense that I find yeah. in, in the in kind of, if you like, the real world of music, no one's really asking those questions. Mm. No, no one's asking, no. is pop music legit or is, you know, is this real jazz or whatever? Because it doesn't yeah. matter. We're just playing gigs and writing stuff and doing stuff, you know? Exactly. Um, I think that's a real danger about having a lot of people standing around in a room, none of mm-hmm. whom are actually doing anything. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and we pay good money, you know, for our kids to go and yeah, in that environment. It's, it's really bizarre to me. Yeah, I mean, I've been totally, <laughs> I've been ready to be like anyone that's wanting to go to college or whatever. I've been like, how about you pay me half of what you'd be paying the college and yeah. you can just shadow me and come with me everywhere. Right, right. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll introduce you to the people that I know and we can write, we can record, you can come out on the road with me, like just pay me half. <laughs> you might be onto something there. <laughs> I know, right? Actually. Great. Yeah. Cool. I've, been, I've been thinking about it to be honest. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. You yeah, know, I, if I, I believed in someone enough, I would totally do that for them. I would love to have that. Yeah. I kind of, now that you say that, I'm thinking about when I was starting out and some of the people that I toured with, um, yeah. like for example, Tommy Emmanuel, I toured with him four times. And oh, wow. the amount that I learned from him was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think you could get that in any university. Definitely mm, not. Yeah. Definitely not. That's a really so. interesting idea. Maybe we could, maybe we could initiate some sort of hey, mentor, mentor shadowing kind of thing. Yeah. All right, we'll I'm start sending totally people down. your way. <laughs> yeah, to follow me around. <laughs> no, 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 to Lucy. You this egg. is how I walk my dog. <laughs> Not you. Oh, no. But then I think also people could see the real life about it too, not just this. Well, I, don't, I don't know. A lot of people getting into this, I think, have yeah, an idea of thinking, how incredible and amazing it is. Exactly. $150 million when, yachts with 80 models and private planes. Yeah, that's what I mean, they're thinking. Okay, well, yeah. that happened. Yeah, sure. But they're, thinking but, that, no, but they're literally thinking that that's what happens all the time, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Rather than, you know, being in a green room with one couch and no AC and then um, having to run on stage and your equipment stops working and you're in the <laughs> middle of a show smiling. Yeah. And, and pretending it's working while you're, like, shitting yourself because you can't hear anything in your in-ears. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's, that's happened. It's, it's brutal. Oh, it's happened to all of us, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Even, I find even when things go right, just the, the um, even just the transition from backstage to onstage can be, oh, can, can be really disorientating sometimes. I mean, you get used to it, but yeah. I, think, I think there is that idea from the public that those in the rock star life are constantly in the rock star life and <laughs> yeah. they forget that we we still have families and friends yep. we have friends that don't give a shit how successful or unsuccessful we are um, yeah exactly you know th- where we're not celebrities or whatever to them yeah. um and then you're in a really weird you know fluorescent lit ugly room you know, beside some rubbish bins and a yeah. guy with a clipboard and headphones who says right you're on and you walk from one disgusting yes. world into this world that's all lit up with lights and <laughs> exactly and sometimes you don't even get like a warning it's just like oh shit you're meant to be on stage so yeah. you're not even mentally prepared it's just like wham get yeah. in yeah. there and be on point and it's like traveling through a wormhole or something oh completely yeah yeah it's it's very odd but i think i think people would love to see the reality sometimes maybe I- not maybe actually Let's keep them thinking it's awesome. <laughs> you know? It's like they say, it's sort of like you don't want to ever meet your heroes because you might be let down in a yeah. way. Yeah. But, you That's know, so true. The, um, whenever we met people backstage, 
after an op shop gig, I think we've talked about this, Danny. I think we've mentioned it before, but sometimes you have those meet and greet things, mm. and I, I always mm. cringed at those. Right. I never really liked doing it because oh. of the questions you'd get. But also, you've just come off stage. It's like being yep. ripped from the womb. Yeah. Yep. And yep. you know, you were in a zone, and now you just want to come down a little bit. And all of a sudden, you've got these four strangers in your face going, uh-huh. "So, what's it like to be yeah. in an op shop? Or what's it like to do this and that?" And you're like. Fuck, oh, I don't know. It's um, weird because, <laughs> you, because you've sort of what's take, it like to be you? You've taken your armor off, haven't you, to be on stage, and now you're yeah. you know you've sort of let yourself. There's a vulner- vulnerability to performing, I think. Yeah, you give yourself Definitely. to your playing, and then, like you say, suddenly you've gotten off stage. You haven't put your armor back on yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Most of the time, yeah. you're to- you've totally given your all too, and like you do need that time to just sit for a second. Yeah, yeah. Just give me a minute. Yeah, please. and some water or. Whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That would be nice, yeah. you know? Just give me something before I have to smile again. And be on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not that that's awful. Like, this is totally the life we chose. No, and I think exactly. that's one of the things, too, is job. like, we know what we're getting into. Yeah. But if I th- it would be good for some people to understand that, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and partly this is what we're doing this podcast for is for those people who are just fans of music. They might not know, they might not be in the industry. They might yeah. not, um, you know, care to know too much about it. But the behind the, the scenes stuff that our guests mm-hmm. talk about is interesting to some people, you know, because it's, yeah, they yeah. don't get to see, they, they do think it's just champagne and, and parties backstage and then you go out and do your, your glamour right. rock star thing and then, uh, yeah, well, the party I continues. Mean, a lot of it is that too. <laughs> <laughs> I bet the Grammys is like, did like you play, have you played at the Grammys before? No, not or, yet. Or been I'm going to, them? to. You are? I mean, I'm saying I'm going to. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. That's a goal. A life plan. I mean, I'm I'm going to be earning millions by next year too. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Awesome. Like that's just what I've decided. Yeah, I, I mean, no. I, I find it really interesting how we, um, as as in New Zealand, we yeah. celebrate certain individuals who go overseas and do things, um, yeah. and then there's all these other people who go overseas and do things. <laughs> who yeah. are, who are, and but they're not, you know. You it's like know you, you kind of know what I'm getting at, right? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've noticed um, that the the front man role, if you like, or the um, you know the person in the middle under the spotlight, mm-hmm. the famous name, um, it's a very mechanical role, and yeah. and they're not more talented or more skilled than anyone else in the crew, Mm-mm. but it's their job to be in front. Which means they also have to do the interviews and that sort of thing as well. But it's quite yeah. interesting that you go, well, so and so has gone overseas and had had success, mm-hmm. um, and there's just no vehicle for celebrating people like yourself who have right. gone from Avondale to playing some of you know with with some extraordinary <laughs> international artists. And of course, yeah. you're you're probably going to you know be humble about that, but it, it's worth actually celebrating. You're probably the most pam- famous um, Avondale resident since the Avondale Spiders in that movie back in the uh, 1990s. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what you were talking about. Neither Arach- do I, but you just Oh, you're, oh, you're arachnophobia, yeah, yeah, Remember yeah, the, the yeah. Avondale Spiders? Okay. Right. Oh, Avondale. right. Oh, yeah. shit, that was, that was good. Are they actually from Avondale, those spiders? Uh, no, that's what they said. <laughs> <laughs> they were the stars of the movie. That is funny. They weren't called <laughs> that in the movie, though, eh? No. No, no, no. 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 They were just, yeah. just called spiders. So oh, yeah. that, <laughs> just called spiders. <laughs> <laughs> but they were based off of the Avondale spiders. Right. No, they were literally Avondale spiders, the actual oh. spiders they used in the film. That wasn't, that wasn't filmed here, though, eh? Don't, I don't think so. No. no. So they wonder if they shipped sure. a whole bunch of spiders over to the States. <laughs> that's what I'm talking That's what I'm saying. That's what happened. <laughs> oh, right. I see. Export. <laughs> 
gosh. We don't we don't usually record these in the morning. We're both a little bit confused. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> a little bit out like of sync. I said, I'm out of sync most of the time. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. um, but I mean, I still think that that's something that we should talk more about. And when I say we, I mean yeah. it just as a community. Is um, oh yeah, uh, uh, all the other people like you know there are amazing people out there who there are, are session musicians or engineers or riggers mm-hmm. or whatever who are doing amazing things around the world. And that's something that Bobby and I have met and worked with a lot of these people through our own careers. But now that we're doing this podcast. We're mm-hmm. meeting many, many more and hearing about more too. It's just there's yeah. a, there are amazing people, not only from New Zealand, but just in general out there, some of the most highly skilled people in the world, mm. and yeah. they, will, they will never win a Grammy. It's just not on the no. cards. It's, there's, yeah. there's no Grammys for that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And yet they really run the whole thing. Yeah. It's, it is funny how being the face automatically gets you all the glory. And I agree. I think I – think Especially, I, don't, I feel like New Zealand needs to celebrate everyone that's doing it because it's a big deal for us to get out. It is. And to, you know, take over the world. Absolutely. It takes mm. a lot of ambition and courage and hard work. And Yeah, and support. And sacrifice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like we accept this idea that, you know, such and such singer is, you know, going to get all the attention and the rest of us just have to be quiet and stay in the, stay in the wings. Yeah. But, no. but Why? And we, right. we, we all know that half the time these singers are uh, uh, kind of put together anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, all a bit, it's all a bit manufactured or a, or a lot manufactured. Yeah, you know. I was going to say, just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> but there's nothing, there's nothing manufactured about getting really good on your instrument and no. figuring out how to network and taking the leap to go to exactly. the States, you know. That's, mm. that's exactly. not manufactured. That's, Hard work. Yeah. That's the kind of shit that most people would never have the courage to do. Yeah. It takes a lot to, I think, one of the hardest things. Um, as you guys know, Kiwis, we're not the best at putting ourselves out there. No. No. Like, like we can be great at what we do and yet we'll still be like, oh, you know, I'm okay. I can do it. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm decent. Yeah, I'm pretty all right. And but that, that, but that wouldn't get you huge. the job. Yeah. Like, coming out here and... You being amongst people that say they're incredible and they're fucking not, <laughs> and you're just like, and you're like, but wait, I can do that better. But they get shit because they're obnoxious and loud and in your face. Yeah, and that was one of the huge things is to learn how to be humble but still show people that you're good or that you can do what everyone else can do but better. Is that something that you've had to upskill in? Yeah, and I still suck, but, you know, (laughs) it's still really hard. Um, But it is definitely something that I've had to learn to be confident in what I can do and say it or show it in such a way that I can still feel okay about that. Yeah. (laughs) Not feel like an absolute douchebag, like, oh, my God, yes, I can can play this just fine. Yeah. Like, no, 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 you just got to – yeah, there's a confidence that you have to learn, which, I mean, it's more of – acting because sometimes do, you feel like the, a dick. The people yeah. you work with pick up on that Kiwi humility and do they do they know that that's a thing and admire that or, or are they just like thinking you're being shy? Um, well, once you work with people a lot, they, they start to understand that. Right. Um, okay. But most of the time, yeah, people just think you're shy or they don't. Well, the, the, the thing is if you, if you are too shy or humble – they're never going to know actually how good you are because they're not going to give you a chance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I feel like, I don't, I don't know if you agree, but I feel like in New Zealand, 
we don't really understand the difference between confidence and arrogance. And Definitely it, not. And, and if someone's ar- if someone's um, confident, yeah, just genuinely confident because they've worked hard and they know what they're doing and they're experienced, yeah, that often makes people flinch. Like this guy's a twat. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's not cool. I think that's one thing us Kiwis need to learn to actually be be okay about is yeah. that people aren't being arrogant sometimes when they know that they're good at something. Right. They're not being a douchebag about no. it. They're just legit like, well, I fucking worked for this. Like, hi. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which which actually um, leads my mind back to my earlier comment about rugby. <laughs> because yeah. because we have an, we, we're inconsistent on that subject too. You know, if, if there is a someone like yourself being confident, mm. there is gonna, there are going to be some people who go, who does she think she is? Oh, um, to- I've already had that. Don't worry. But then you yeah. get, uh, you know, a top sports player walk in, and you know, with yeah. one eyebrow up, you know, their own oh, biggest, yeah. their own biggest fan. You want to talk about <laughs> arrogance? Holy shit! Oh you my know. god, yeah. But that's totally <laughs> praise. People love that in sport, isn't it? Which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's. I, I understand people enjoying sport, but fucking calm down. You know, they're not <laughs> Greek gods. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an odd one. I I mean that's ingrained in our culture so much that I don't know if that'll ever change. I will change it. You'll change it. <laughs> I'll help you change it. Yeah. We can do this one person at a time. I'm going to change their mind. <laughs> Perfect. And so, what's your next kind of ten year plan? You want to play the Grammys, become a millionaire? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm definitely um, playing the Grammys. I'm also going to be getting a Grammy. Right. Oh yeah, that's um, an important milestone. Yeah. 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 I mean, probably multiple Grammys. Um, one of my big goals is I want to score an animated film. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. Cool. Like a Disney film, yeah. Yeah, nice. Oh, I don't not... know why. I just really yeah, that'd be it. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I don't really have a plan. I'm kind of, I kind of suck with plans. I don't even make plans for tomorrow. <laughs> um, like I, and, and that's also because where I am in my life right now, things change so fast. You right. know, people will be like, oh, cool, I'm coming in June. Let's catch up. And I'm like, yeah, if I'm here. Right. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, I don't know. I could get a call tomorrow saying we're leaving in a week. Yeah. Right. So that's also, like, I just suck at planning. <laughs> so <laughs> my 10-year plan is to just um, keep going with what I'm doing and be okay with it. <laughs> so uh, where can our listeners follow uh, what you're doing with your duo project and, and just your stuff in general, your um, career? The best thing is probably Facebook or Instagram for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to be good at that and post shit. I, I'm not the greatest with social media. <laughs> I like, I'm too real, you know? Right. I don't post all these fake things like, oh, today is the greatest, I'm in the studio and like make it look like I'm doing some really fabulous shit. I'll be like in the studio again, you know, I think I've written a hit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. but, I think that's better, isn't it? Isn't it better to be honest? I think so. To be real. I personally think so, but yeah. you know, it's, I'll just show them the truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just uh, Facebook and Instagram. It's just my name, Lucy Graves. Cool. And then for Parker Lane, um, it, that is parkerlanemusic.com or just Parker Lane Music on all socials. Cool. It's good. Awesome. We have a coloring book that goes along with the album too that my mum did all the artwork to. Nice. Oh, wicked. Yeah. Now yeah, I want to check it epic. out. 
That's I know, see, right? See right there, you've got a hook. Yeah, it's different. Beautiful. No one's done that before. Hey, Lucy, thank you so much for your time. No, thank you guys. Shit, it's been great. I like lo- I love talking to Kiwis. <laughs> awesome. Get a dose of I the do. accent again. I know. I miss home. I need to get back there soon. Well, if you come back, um, drop in. We'll do another episode. Hell, freaking yeah! Yeah. Okay, I'd love to. Cool. All the best. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks, guys. Well, there we have it. Thank you so much, uh, Lucy, for being on the show. Yeah, and thanks, uh, Stonefield Bases. Yeah, and also, um, what is it called? Nam Troop. Nam <laughs> Troop Studios. Nick Portman's new studio on Birkenhead. Yeah. Check it out. Um, his website is www.nickportman.productions. And this pod- podcast is brought to you with support from bigidea.nz. Yep. So thank you to them. And thank you to our listeners. Yeah. And we happen to know there are people all over the world listening. And yeah. it's surprising and it's humbling and it's exciting. As always, awesome to have you uh, on board. Definitely. Cool. Have All a right. good week. Catch you later. If you find what we're doing useful and you like this podcast, please do like, share and subscribe and give us a review on iTunes.